Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Bible on page number 57, or I invite you to turn with me in your own Bible. Luke chapter 4. Verses 1 through 13. Hear now these words. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days. And when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me. Now I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us go to God once again in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. The beauty of this day is the sun shines ever so brightly, reminding us of the way your light pierces the darkness of this world. I thank you for the faithfulness demonstrated by all those that are joining together in these moments pressing pause on the busyness and the chaos of life to sit in your holy presence. And so as we offer this sacrifice of time today, Lord, may you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this. In the name of Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. As Pastor Corey said, we are beginning a worship series based upon the prayer of confession that we use as a part of our communion liturgy each time. And it's interesting that we're spending this time focusing on a prayer of confession because, frankly, after last night's ball game, I may have a thing or two to confess. I see that hand. (laughs) 
In these moments, as we spend through, go through this time of Lent, we are looking at this prayer confession and this, the words and what they mean to us and what it is we're confessing when we pray. And in this gospel lesson that we read just a few moments ago, we have this moment where Jesus himself is resisting temptation. And I think that as we look at his obedience, we might be able to find the ways that we too might be able to avoid the temptations that we face in the world because it's so easy for us to be tempted. And it seems like it, just one small bad decision that can lead us down a path to be far, far from what we had ever intended. As I had previously served in the community of Goldsboro, where Seymour Johnson Air Force Base is, I had been friends with some fighter pilots, and hearing them tell the stories of aviation and flying those jets across the sky, I'd learned about the 1 in 60 rule. In aviation, the 1 in 60 rule means that if you are one degree off course, just one degree off course, over the course of 60 miles, you will be one full mile off course. And so if you imagine in a fighter jet, one degree off course, if they're flying at 240 miles per hour, in one hour, they will be four miles off target. These, these one simple, small decision that leads to being so far away from where they had ever intended. And in, us, in our lives, life is full of these one degree decisions. And oftentimes we make these bad decisions. We know they're bad when we're making them, but we don't think there's going to be any significant harm. And as we make these one-degree bad decisions, oftentimes it ends up that we are so far off course from where we ever intended to be. We see it lived out in the scriptures. And we see it how Adam and Eve in the garden, they had that one-degree decision to take a bite of that apple. We see Cain and Abel and how Cain is overcome by his own jealousy and anger that he strikes and kills his brother. We see it through the people of Israel as they journey through the wilderness and crying out in thirst, crying out in frustration, continuing to complain. We see it in King Saul who is impatiently going into battle when God has already called upon him to wait. We see it with King David who chose not to go to battle, which led to David's affair with Bathsheba, which led to David ultimately having Uriah killed. One degree, bad decision, one bad decision that leads us beginning to be further and further away from where we were ever intended to be. Why do we make those kind of decisions? Why do we succumb to such temptations? Well, I think sometimes we, we make those bad decisions when we don't get our way. Maybe God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we had hoped. And so we begin to make a bad decision to try to bring about the outcome that we had wanted. Maybe we didn't get the job that we had been hoping for. Maybe things just didn't go. Maybe your team lost a ball game. And it leads to these bad decisions. When, when things are out of our control and we don't have that control, we find ourselves many times making a bad decision. Or maybe even it's when we are angry that we make bad decisions. You know, anger can lead us to doing things and saying things that we never intended to say or do. 
years ago, uh, and I know I've shared this story in Sunday school <laughs> before, but years ago, Jennifer and I were still newlyweds, and the house we were living in had a slate walkway to the front step. And one night as we got home, it was raining, and I decided I was going to be a gentleman. And so I got out of the car, and I was going to run up and unlock the door so that my beautiful bride would not have to get wet as she waited for me to unlock the door. And so as I run, making my way up to that step, as I plant, I'm going to leap and jump up the two or three steps to the, where the door is. And as I plant my foot to make that jump, that wet slate is slick. And I slip and fall. It probably had to look like something out of uh, a cartoon, the way that I turned upside down almost and landed on my rear and on my back, and I was in pain. It hurt. But what hurt even more was the sound that I heard coming from the car. As I heard Jennifer laughing at the amusing scene that she had just witnessed, I was angry. And I got up, and I took my keys, I unlocked that door, and as soon as I entered the house, I threw my keys as hard as I could against the wall, causing damage to the wall and breaking two or three keys in that moment. When we are angry, we do and say things, we make bad decisions, and it gets us off course from where we ever intended to be. Sometimes we make bad decisions when we think we've got it all under control, when maybe everything has been going our way, and we almost think that we're above it all. Maybe we think that there's no consequences to those bad decisions. No one else will even know. And then we make those decisions to realize, and that leads us to realizing that there are consequences. There are others that are hurt. For whatever reason, we make bad decisions. And I think that as we look at this, this passage of Scripture and we consider how Jesus himself resisted the temptations, I think this too can serve as a model for us to try to avoid those bad decisions and allow us to truly be the obedient church that God has called us to be. So when we consider the context of this scripture, think about what has just occurred. Just prior to this, we know that Jesus has been baptized. And as Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, you remember there's a voice that comes from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus himself has heard these words. This had to be such a monumental moment for Jesus because he spent the first 30 years of his life as an ordinary person, it seemed. And now he's to begin this life of ministry, and it's marked by the voice of God coming down from heaven for all to hear. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I imagine Jesus had to feel pretty good to hear that, to have other people know it, to see it, and to hear it. And then the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And as he's there, the scripture says he's there for 40 days, 40 nights. And, you know, in the Bible, a lot of times we hear that number 40. A lot of times when that number 40 is used, it's not necessarily to mark an exact amount of days and time. 40 is another way of saying a really long time. It's longer than a month. It's more than a lunar cycle, a really long time. But however long it is that Jesus is out there, Jesus is out there. He's isolated. He's alone. And he's hungry. Because as we just read, 
He's not eaten anything the entire time that he's out there. And he's famished. When I look at those things, I think, oh, I would be so weak. He's had that mountaintop moment where he feels like maybe he's all in complete control. He's all alone. Nobody else can see or will even know what potentially could happen. He's hungry. He's so weak in that moment that who's it going to hurt? But Jesus, as he's in this context, this is when Satan comes. This is when the devil comes to him. And look at the three temptations first. The first temptation is that he would turn the stone into bread. <laughs> Y'all, I like bread. <laughs> I, over the past two years in the pandemic, I've taken up the habit, <laughs> the hobby of making sourdough bread. And oh, I made it some just yesterday to be able to break the bread for communion. And I can't wait. I'm hoping maybe next month when we share together in Holy Communion, you'll get to taste that bread. Bread is such a temptation for me. When we go to a restaurant and they put rolls on the table before the time to eat, I eat almost all the rolls or the bread before the meal even comes. And Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days. He's famished. And Satan says, you know, nobody's around. You could just speak and turn this rock, this stone into bread. I'm weak. What a temptation that surely would have been for me. And then Jesus does not, re he resists that temptation. So the second temptation that Satan does is he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says all of it will be his if he would just worship Satan. Now, this had to be a temptation because, in a way, he, he, he would know what his future is. He would already know that at this point that he is going to have to die a horrible death. And that if he would do this when nobody else is around, maybe he wouldn't have to die that death. Nobody else would see. He could just bow and worship Satan in that moment. That had to be that temptation because I tell you, if it's me, I'm going to do whatever I can to avoid pain or suffering. But Jesus himself, he resisted this temptation. Then that third temptation, he takes them to Jerusalem. And there on the peak, the highest point of the temple, he tempts Jesus to just jump. God's angels surely will catch you. And the temptation there had to be that if I just jump and everybody sees the angels catch me and that there is no harm brought upon me, surely then they would all know and believe that he truly is the Son of God. Once again, eliminating the struggle, the suffering, the pain that he would have to endure. I'm weak. Once again, that would have been a horrible temptation had it been me. But the thing is, in each one of these temptations, Jesus doesn't focus on the temptation. Instead, Jesus focuses on God and upon God's word. Each time that he, he resists the temptation and is obedient to God, he, recant, he re, rebuts the devil with God's scripture, with his word. His focus is not on the temptation. His focus is on God. 
Jennifer and I have a golden retriever at home named Runner. Runner is a wild and rambunctious nine-year-old golden retriever, and if you met him, you'd think he was a puppy, the way he acts. He loves people, but he does not love other dogs. And so we walk Runner at least three times a day through our neighborhood, and there's a lot of people in our neighborhood that have dogs, which means it's quite a challenge when we walk Runner because he'll see these other dogs and he'll begin having to be the alpha, it seems. He'll start growling. He'll start barking. He'll want to go at them, and especially if they get close to him. We ultimately learned that the only way that we can get Runner to not growl and bark or act like he wants to go at these other dogs is we carry treats in our pocket. I'll hold that treat out in front of him, and I'll lead him along. It's almost kind of like having the carrot in front of the donkey. I'll, I'll hold that treat out in front of him, and he won't even look at those other dogs. They may even be barking at him. He doesn't care. He's focused on that treat. Friends, I think for us, when temptation comes our way, the way that we avoid temptation, the way that we resist it is not to focus on the temptation, but instead focus on God. And as God is there before us, Jesus himself resisted these horrible temptations in that moment because he focused on God and God's word. And for us to be an obedient church, I believe it begins with us focusing not on those temptations, but upon God and God's word. And it's there that we find the strength. It's there that we can be the obedient church that God has called us to be. As we're in this season of Lent, this time of repentance, reflection, recognizing our own need for a Savior, I invite you to find that strength, to find the ability to resist that temptation as we focus on the God who loves us so much that he gave his son to pay a price that we ourselves could never pay so that we might be restored and redeemed to him. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.